Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Totus Tuus Show. I'm Father Marius and this is Cathy and we're delighted to have your company for this episode. Recently, dear friends, I was very blessed. I went on a Totus Tuus pilgrimage to Fatima. We go every year, usually around Our Lady's birthday. So if you'd like to join us, get in, in touch. We'll be going next year with the help of God. And one of the things that struck me, you know, every time I go, I'm struck by something different was how the children had been prepared. So we know Our Lady appeared to them in 1917. Lucia was 10 years of age, Francesco was eight, and little Jacinta was only seven. And in 1915, so two years previously, they encountered some kind of supernatural phenomena which was preparing them for what was to happen in 1917. And then in 1916, of course, the Angel of Peace appears to them three times and teaches them how to pray and tells them that God has special designs on them to be his great instruments of mercy and for them to offer prayers and sacrifices. And then of course Our Lady appears and she asks them to offer their very selves to God in which they say yes and she tells them they will have much to suffer etc. But with her help they'll be able to get through everything. And so the children are being prepared. And then in July, the third of Our Lady's apparitions, so she appeared in May, in June, and then in July, she shows them this vision of hell, this extraordinary vision of hell. So the children had grown an awful lot spiritually, been prepared, as I said, and now they see this vision of hell. And it is absolutely horrific. Lucia said that she was heard uh, screaming. And Jacinta in particular, really did everything she could to offer sacrifices to save souls from going to hell. So Our Lady's teaching them about the reality of hell. And you know, in our own times, many people question the reality of hell. Or some people you hear saying, maybe you go to hell for a little bit, but then after a while you get out of hell. Or there's kind of confusion around hell in our time, isn't there? But Our Lady is really much showing us in Fatima that it's very, very real. And she says to the children, you have seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go in order to save them. So God wishes to save them. In order to save them, she says, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to my immaculate heart. And she says, if you do what I say, many souls will be saved and there will be peace. And she goes on to explain, of course, about the first Saturdays. And so through the first Saturdays in particular, we can save many souls from going to hell. She, of course, gives them the prayer that we say at the end of every decade of the rosary as well. Oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those who are most in need. So she gives us this prayer as well for our own time to save souls from going to hell. You know, I came across the parable recently, Kathy, of um, Jesus tells the story about Lazarus and not the same Lazarus who uh, was, was um, risen from the dead, but Lazarus and the rich man. And we see the rich man has everything. He lives a very lavish lifestyle. Um, he has the best of clothes. He dresses in uh, a purple as well, which would have in, in the time of Jesus signified great wealth because purple dye was so expensive. He feasted magnificently, we're told in the Gospel of Luke, every day. Now, none of us feast magnificently every day. You know, we, when we celebrate, we do, of course. And the same in the time of Jesus. So Jesus is emphasizing just how wealthy he was. And we know there was a poor man called Lazarus 
who we, we know his name, one of the only characters, I believe, in all the parables of Jesus whose name we know. Yeah. And Lazarus was at the gate. So the rich man had these gates as well, a kind of a compound, which again signified his great wealth. And Lazarus was so poor and he was sick and that the dogs came to lick his sores. Now, we think of dogs nowadays, nice, friendly, you know, puppies <laughs> and so forth. But in the times of Jesus, they were more like maybe the dingoes in Australia or the wild dogs you have in Africa, these scavengers. But they had compassion on Lazarus and would come yeah. and lick his sores. But the rich man just ignored him. And we see later on in the parable, when the rich man goes to hell, we see there is this, you know, great divide between him and Lazarus who goes to heaven and he's, he's in the bosom of Abraham. And the rich man says to um, Abraham, can you send Lazarus to me to dip his finger in water and put it on my tongue? So he still sees Lazarus as someone like a servant to him. He hasn't learned. He hasn't learned. He hasn't changed, right? And there's no charity there or anything. And the other thing is he knows Lazarus's name. So it makes it even worse that Lazarus was at his gate all this time, knew his name, and he ignored him. So this great, great sin of omission, um, not looking after his neighbor, sin against his neighbor. Um, but we see very much in that parable, the reality of hell. And then um, the rich man says, you know, he says to, to Abraham, can you send a word to my brothers? And he says, well, they, they have the scriptures, they have Moses and the prophets. And he says, oh yeah, but if somebody was to go back you know, if you sent Lazarus back, then they would surely believe. And he says, if they won't listen to the scriptures, if they won't listen to Moses, if they won't listen to the prophets, they have everything they need in them. In other words, if their heart is not open to it, they will not listen to even if someone was to rise from the dead. But this parable shows us the, the reality of hell again and that there is a, a judgment made on us after we die. Yeah, you know, there's another, um, there are many many references, especially by our Lord of hell in scripture. You know, Abraham says, if they can't listen to scripture, well, we need to listen to scripture. But interesting, one of the ones I want to mention is Matthew chapter eight. Hmm. And this is the story of the centurion coming, a rich man, rich and powerful, coming to Jesus because of his concern for his servant. The opposite of the Lazarus story. Hmm. And, um, you know, Jesus says, of course, I'll come. And he says, I'm not worthy for you to come. Just say the word and he'll be healed. And Jesus comments, and it's interesting, he comments that he hadn't found that kind of faith, even among Israel. But at the end, he says, but the children of the kingdom, Israel, will be thrown out into the darkness outside where there will be weeping and grinding of teeth. Again, a reference to hell. And another one that's interesting is in Mark 9. And here he's talking about people who destroy the faith in God of children, who scandalize children. And he says, it's better if a millstone were put around their neck mm. and they were thrown into a lake. And he says, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet 
and be thrown into hell. And if your eyes causes you to stumble, pluck it out, for it's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worm that eats them do not die and the fire is not quenched. I mean, there's no question that Jesus is very, um, wants us to know about hell. And you know, Jesus speaks about hell more times than he does about heaven. What is that saying to us? And just a couple more passages that I came across, Kathy. I mean, one of the most famous has to be Matthew 25, a passage Mother Teresa would often quote in the sense that she would say, whatever you did to the least of my brethren, you did to me. She'd hold up the five figures and said, you did it to me. So we see when we don't do those things, the seriousness of it as well. But Matthew 25 from verse 33 Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So just he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. So we want to be with the sheep, right? <laughs> Not the goats, right? And then he goes on to say, then the king will say to those on his right, in other words, the sheep, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, etc., or see you thirsty, etc.? And he says, whenever you did this to the least of my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. Now, what about the goats? He says, then he will say to those on his left, in other words, the goats, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And they will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or in prison, etc.? And he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteousness to eternal life. So it's very, very clear there from Jesus as well. And he's emphasizing, you know, it's eternal punishment. It's not just for a, a small period of time. In Matthew's Gospel as well, uh, Kathy, I see chapter 13, Jesus said, The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers and throw them into the furnace of fire. Their men will weep and gnash their teeth. So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire. And their men will weep and gnash their teeth. So that's further on in the, the chapter of, of uh, chapter 13 of Matthew's Gospel. And St. Paul, just in case, you know, we've seen what Jesus has said, but like if we need to look at other parts of the Bible, St. Paul in Thessalonians 2, second letter to the Thessalonians, he says, they will pay the penalty of eternal ruin, separated from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. St. Peter, 2 Peter 2, 4 said, God did not spare the angels who fell into sin. He trusts them down to hell chained them there in the abyss to await their sentence in torment, you know. So he's reminding us that the, if God didn't spare the angels, why should we think that um, we will be spared? 
And just in the book of Revelation from St. John, he said, the, the smoke of the fire that torments them will rise forever and ever. And there will be no relief day or night for those who worship the beast or its image or accept the mark of its name. And in chapter 20, he describes hell. He says, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And there's more in the book of Revelation as well. So we have a very clear picture there in the scripture, not only in what Jesus is saying, but that there's, there is a hell and it is for forever and ever. Um, so let there be no doubt. But what does the, what does the church say, Cathy, to well, the catechism? You know, yeah, about this well-kept secret. Well, the church has always taught there's a hell. And in our own time, in the catechism of the Catholic church, it's no different. And you can go to 1033, and uh, it's, the church says, we cannot be united with God unless we freely choose to love him. But we cannot love God if we sin gravely against him, against our neighbor, or against ourselves. So it really is, it's incompatible. We could say we love God, but are we, do we really love God? We can't love him and live in sin. 1034, the next section. Jesus often speaks of Gehenna, of the unquenchable fire, reserved for those who to the end of their lives refuse to believe and convert, um, where they will go both in soul and at the end of the world in body. And then in 1035, the church teaches the teaching of the church affirms the existence of hell and the eternity of hell. So immediately after death, the souls of those who die in the state of mortal sin descend into hell. So it's unequivocal. Kathy, I also came across in the Catechism from 1036 about the urgent need for conversion. You know, Jesus is constantly saying repent believe the gospel his first words is public ministry you know repent and believe the gospel john the baptist baptism of repentance etc like it's mm. it's everywhere in the bible right so jesus says of course in matthew seven thirteen, enter by the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way hard that leads to life and those who find it are few so it reminds me, you know, of a, a vision St. Faustina had. And maybe we'll, we'll talk a little bit about private revelation. Now, we've talked about Jesus, we've talked about the scripture, we've talked about the catechism of the Catholic Church, a little bit about private revelation, perhaps. And so St. Faustina sees these two roads. One is very wide and one is narrow. And the one that is wide, people are singing along, dancing, having a great time, and they just fall off the, the end of the road. The other road she sees is kind of, windy dark maybe full of potholes your, your typical irish road really. <laughs> yeah. and people are that. people are not singing and dancing and you know they're they're struggling and they're going along and they walk into this most they walk into it this most spectacular garden beauty beyond anything she could ever imagine and it reminds us of you know jesus saying take the, the narrow road and uh, enter by the narrow gate um, so we very much see it in private revelation too, you know, many, many instances, don't we, of, of hell and its mm -hmm. reality and what the saints have been shown. Well, yeah, Sister Faustina is a very important one. Um, Blessed Anna Marie Ka uh, 
Blessed Anna Catherine Emmerich, Emmerich yeah. uh, Therese Avila, St. John Bosco, Padre Pio, you know, so many of the saints, uh, Vincent Ferrer, have seen, been given visions of hell or been given a taste of hell. Mm. Um, Sister Faustina's is very interesting because she says in it that she was taken to hell so that she could bear witness to the fact it was real because being in the 1900s, people had begun to believe, well, if there is a hell, it's empty. Mm. And uh, so she was given this grace, one that was terrifying, but so that she could come back and testify. And the picture she paints is horrific, but she also distills the punishments. And it's very interesting because she said the greatest torment of hell is the loss of God. The second is the perpetual remorse of conscience. If you've ever felt remorse of conscience, this never stops. The third is one's condition will never change. You realize it's never going to get better. The fourth is that the fire, the spiritual fire that penetrates you, but never goes out. It's a spiritual fire, so it's far worse than anything else. The fifth is the continual darkness, the stench, the, the presence of, you know, just screams and just a horrible environment. The sixth is the company of Satan, because remember, he hates you. The seventh is the despair, the hatred of God, the blasphemy that never stops. And then in addition to that, that's what everyone suffers. But in addition will be the punishment of the senses. And that will vary depending on the manner in which you sinned, mm. you know. And, um, but she makes an interesting comment at the end of this. And that's that she noted that the majority of the people, most of the people in hell, did not believe in hell or didn't believe anyone went there. So, um, so that's why this is very important tonight, that we do believe in hell, so we won't go there. Um, but the other one that I thought I would just mention is St. Don Bosco. Mm -hmm. Now his, as with many other things in his life, was a dream where he was taken along a long road, again, beautiful roses and things along the road, but it led to hell. And a lot of his boys from the or oratory were there. And he saw so many of them going along the road and being caught in these like silken threads and then being dragged down. Mm -hmm. He was brought down to hell where he saw so many boys that he recognized in hell just forever. And he was devastated. You know, the, the scene was just terrible. And he begged. And in his case, whereas Faustina, Sistine Faustina was shown hell now, his vision was a warning. Mm. And he, he was told, this is what will happen if you don't, can't get through to your boys. Every one of them, you know, along this road, there was a silken thread. And for one, you know, it was the Sixth Commandment. For one, it might have been dishonesty for another. They were different things. And so often we can be so good, but the elephant in the room 
is the one fault we don't want to deal with. Hmm. And that's the silken thread that Don Bosco has shown. So it's, I mean, if any of us saw any of these visions, I'm sure we would change our lives immediately. And it's, it's amazing, Kathy, isn't it? You know, we consider what Jesus has said, what the scriptures tell us, the catechism of the Catholic Church, and we could go on literally for hours with private revelation and what the saints have said. And what we want to show really to, to speak to people about is that yeah, hell is hell is real. You know, there is a kind of a, a universalism thought out there nowadays that everybody just goes to heaven, and it's that is not based on the scriptures or what Jesus said or the Catechism of the Catholic Church or with private revelation, etc. But the important thing for all of us is that we to recognize that you know, firstly, we don't want to go to hell ourselves, so we should keep God's commandments and stay close to Him and go to regular confession and so forth and go to mass on Sundays, receive. Holy Eucharist and stay on the, the highway to heaven, which is, you know, Jesus said, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will have eternal life. So going to Mass on Sunday is so, so important. But that we have a responsibility to save souls. Yes. This is the important thing. The mission of the Catholic Church is to save souls. This is why missionaries gave up everything to go to the ends of the earth so that people could be baptized so that they could achieve eternal life to get them on the highway to, to heaven as such. So we have a very important responsibility. And I go back to Fatima again, because Our Lady told the children as well, she said, many souls go to hell. Now that doesn't mean most souls go to hell, she didn't say, or the vast majority of them go to no, hell. Well, God wants us to go to heaven, made us for heaven. But many, she said, yeah. many. Now many is a lot, right? And we shouldn't speculate in terms of who or how many or any that kind of thing, right? And the church does. The church tells us who you know some of the people who are in heaven. They're canonized saints, but we don't know who's in hell, for instance, right? And God's mercy is there till the very end. But Our Lady said, uh, many souls go to hell because there is nobody to pray and to offer sacrifice for them. To yeah. pray and to offer sacrifice for them. So we have a responsibility as Catholics to pray and to offer sacrifice for sinners. To pray. You know, we have that prayer, oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, that Our Lady herself taught us. Um, it is the conversion prayer of blood and water, which gushed forth from the heart of Jesus as a font of mercy for us. I trust in you that Jesus gave to St. Faustina for the conversion of sinners. And just to pray in general and offer up masses for the conversion of sinners, etc. But our little sacrifices, the little things, you know, I might like two spoons of sugar in my coffee and I'm only going to have one and I'm going to offer that for the conversion of sinners. You know, it's very hot today and I'm not, I feel like moaning about it. I won't. And I'll offer that heat for the conversion of sinners. Little things like that. I like to drink water with my meal, but you know what? I'll drink it at the end of my meal instead. I'm like a cup of tea. I'm going to have a decaf today and I'm going to offer that for the conversion of sinners. These little, little things are powerful for the conversion of sinners. So we have a very important part to play. And of course, Our Lady said in doing the first Saturdays, of course, once a month, that we will save many souls as well. So we have the means to save many souls. It's also important, Kathy, isn't it, to speak the truth, but to speak the truth with love and bearing in mind the other person. You know, it might be the wrong time to say something, but we do have a duty to, to speak the truth um, and the people know that certain things are wrong, etc. Um, and then you're helping them to stay on the right path. And, you know, so we do need that little bit of help and we have a responsibility in that sense as well. So. Dear friends, 
thanks for uh, joining us for another episode of the Totus Tours show. We all have a very important role to play. I hope you have really come to realize that through this show. Let us pray and offer sacrifices for the conversion of sinners as Our Lady taught the children in Fatima. God bless you. Oh,